Thanks for listening to our messages from Southbridge Fellowship. For additional resources and information on connecting people to Jesus for life change, visit us online at southbridgefellowship.com. Good morning, Southbridge. And it's great to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? Thank you, team, for just a great reminder of uh, the goodness and the mercy and the grace of God that constantly chases us, redeems us, restores us, and pulls us close, that he is our great deliverer. As we get rolling this morning, I have to give a special shout out to some family that, uh, that lesson I have with us right back here next to my lovely wife, Roger and Claire Erickson. They're my second set of parents that uh, just really took us in about 28 years ago and uh, have loved us, and, and uh, they are my kids uh, we, we always say adopted grandparents, but they just know them as Grandma and Grandpa Erickson. And, and uh, man, we love you guys. Thanks for driving from Chicago just to hang out with us today. So as we begin this morning, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Can we, Father, in this place, we ask that you simply exalt yourself, Lord, that anything that happens here would simply be hidden behind the cross of Jesus Christ, and Lord, that you alone would be exalted that we proclaim this Jesus in this place, this Jesus that loves us, redeems us, calls us to himself, gives us purpose, gives us mission. God, I pray that we fix our eyes fast on you this morning, the author and the finisher of our faith, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. In Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. Amen. Hey, we are going to be in John chapter 21 this morning. If you have a Bible, and I trust you do, I'm going to ask you to turn there. And this has been a phenomenal series by Pastor Scott, hasn't it? Uh, come on. It really has been a phenomenal series. Um, regardless of the response in the room, I think we all agree it's just been, it's, it's been challenging in so many ways, right? Encounters, encounters with Jesus. And, and what we've discovered is that an encounter with Jesus changes everything. As we look through the text, the one thing that, that I'm always reminded of that is what Jesus modeled for us, he meant for us. So as we look at the life of Jesus, the things that he modeled, the things that he did, he intended for us to follow as an example. And so what we saw all through this series as we're kind of wrapping up the, the gospel of John in, tw in 21, we see these encounters that Jesus had with people. Well, if Jesus modeled that kind of encounter, then he intends for us to have those types of encounters, right? Right? Okay. So the encounter that you and I have at Dunkin' Donuts with someone or, you know, Rise Donuts or Duck Donuts or any of the donuts you like, all those encounters that we have, we should have encounters with people and that encounter with, with individuals, they should see in us the person of Jesus Christ, Right? They shouldn't see us. They should see the Jesus in me, the Jesus in us. So whether you go to Harris Teeter or Food, food, Lion, food Lion, right? I want to call it Lion King. Um, food Lion, right? Whether you go to Walmart or Target, whether you go to Home Depot or Lowe's, every encounter that we have, people should see Jesus in us. As we wrap up the text this morning, it was... Such a great message last week by Pastor Scott. And if you, if, you, if you need to catch up or just go back and be reminded of God's restoration of his forgiveness, of his grace, go back and, and catch that message again. Because in this text, we pick up right as Jesus had this beautiful moment of forgiveness and restoration with Peter after his great denial. 
And in verse 19, Jesus looks at Peter and he says, simply says, follow me. And that's, that's where we pick up our story this morning. So if you would, just kind of look with me, because I think this is such an incredible moment in Peter's life, and I believe it was a, a pretty defining moment for Peter. Uh, Peter had been walking with Jesus and following him as a lead for three, three and a half years. And, and really, when, they, when scholars have put together all the encounters that Jesus had throughout the gospel, it really kind of makes up three to four months of his ministry, not the full three and a half years. So, so many other things that had happened, but these are, these are critical. And, and so, Peter's been walking this journey, and then he had this defining moment of, of God's grace, of his forgiveness, of his restoration. And Jesus just reminds him, Peter, I, I called you to follow me, just continue following me. And so in verse 20, let's just pick it up. Let me just read the first uh, couple of verses there. Peter, verse 20, turned and he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? This is just John's way of identifying himself. When Peter saw him, he said to him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And verse 22, Jesus said to him, if it's my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Follow me. And then as they walked, he took his eyes off Jesus. Jesus says, what is that to you? You follow me. When I look at this text, it's, it's amazing because <clears throat> Peter did exactly what I do. I get right with Jesus and I turn away from Jesus. And I get right with Jesus and I turn away from Jesus. He had just been restored. Do, do you get the context here? He had just been restored to a right relationship. He had this overwhelming, he had to just feel, right? I'm not all about feelings. I mean, truth is truth whether I like it or not. Truth is truth whether it feels good or not. But he had to have this moment of just release of, of this restoration and forgiveness. Man, I am now right with God. And God is encouraging me again. He's not, this is not the first invitation to follow him. We saw that early when he laid down his nets and laid down his career to follow Jesus. This was the context in verse 19. Peter, continue following me. Just, just keep on following me. And it had to be a beautiful moment where he was like, okay, God, we're, we're back together. We're good again. And as they start to walk, he's immediately distracted, just like me, right? Squirrel. I'm doing good, squirrel. Because look, look what it says. Peter turned, verse 20, Peter turned. Who'd he turn from? Jesus. Peter turned and saw. Who'd he see? Was John a bad guy? No, John, John was in this. He's in this together. He's in this with us. And yet it became a distraction to Peter. When I look at this encounter, there's... I think a very defining moment in Peter's life and ministry that I think we all need to be reminded of this morning. Because in this moment, Peter's reminded of his past, all of his past failures, just like me, just like you. But in this moment, he's also reassured of his present situation with Jesus, and then he becomes resolved to the future that God has in store. So you this morning need to be reminded of your past, not dwell in it, not feel 
condemned because of it, but each of us need to be reminded that we are sinners before a holy God. But this morning, I also want you to be reassured of your position with God. And then I want us together to resolve to the mission to which God has us. The mission of Southbridge Fellowship as a body of believers as we gather is simply to connect people to Jesus for life change. Connect people to Jesus for life change. So in other words, as we go about our daily tasks and routines and business, we are to encounter people and connect them to Jesus for life change. Are you on mission this morning? Are you on mission this morning? Let's not be distracted, right? Let's not be distracted. In this moment, in this moment, I love it because Peter looked away and he started to look back. He heard somebody walking behind him. It was John who was also following Christ. And he said, hey, well, Lord, what about him? It's easy for us to look around the church or our community and say, well, what about him? Lord, what about Brian? What about the real Pastor Scott? What, what about J.D.? Well, what about him? Jesus had just looked at Peter and he said, just follow me. You, continue following me. And that was great for, we don't know, two steps, three steps, four steps. <laughs> Is that anybody else? That's me. Yeah. Oh, every morning I, I pray a really simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I know that you are my savior. I've given my life to you. God, thank you for the forgiveness. Thank you that your spirit lives in me. But God, I know that I don't have the capacity to live this life the way you intend. So God, fill me with the presence of your Holy Spirit. Use me in a way that honors you. God, give me the, the ability to live a life that honors you today. And, and that's usually good until I encounter another human being, you know, um, especially in the car. Anybody else? Oh man, you know, mm-mm, mm-mm. I took driver's ed in Chicago in the winter. So, you know, listen, I mean, but, but you know, it's like, man, I'm good. And then all of a sudden my, my flesh, this flesh thing is real and it just jumps out at me. And, and then I have this moment with Jesus, just like Peter, right? God, you and I are so good. And then I take a step and it's like, I blow it because I'm distracted by something else. There's something else that, that I took my eyes off Jesus and I put my eyes on something else. This is not the first time this happened with Peter. It's at least the third time. I want to share those encounters because, and I want to share in that context the distractions, right? Because in this context, Peter took his eyes off Jesus and put them on, right, another person. Anybody else do that? <clears throat> Are you kidding? We live in the day of social media. Everything we do is compared to someone else. You know, those, those people that stand in front of the mirror, you know? I hate those pictures. If that's you, I hate those. I do. <clears throat> you know, I don't want to see that. Just go live life. You know, if you want a donut, eat a donut, you know. But, you know, yeah, we need to honor God with our bodies. But, you know, sometimes we're so consumed with ourselves and, and we're so distracted. We take our eyes off Jesus because we're looking at others. Well, they got this new job or they got this new car. They got a car that runs, you know, I'm jealous. You got a car that runs. That's awesome. You know, I want one of those. Um, you know, you got a new bike. Look at that burger, right? The foodies are, are the big thing, man. Foodies. It's like, look at that great man. If I had a burger like that, my life would be better. 
you know? Well, look at, the, look at the scenery that they're enjoying. They're in New York City. They're in, you know, wherever. You're in Paris, France, eating incredible, authentic French fries, you know? And, and you know, for whatever reason, but we, we take and we, comp, you know, we compromise the truth of our walk with Jesus because we're taking our eyes off Jesus and we're putting them on other people. And when we begin to take our eyes off Jesus and, and we begin to turn away from Jesus to other people or comparison, we begin to miss the vision and the call that God has placed on our life. It happens as people. It also happens as a church. We're getting ready to move on to a new campus. Yes, we're getting ready to move. Now listen, let's be careful. Let's be careful to protect the mission. What is our mission? Connect people to Jesus for what? Life change. You know what our mission is not? More stuff. Our mission is not, hey, we got a campus now. Let's do a lot more programs. Let's do a lot of other things. Hey, this church is doing this. Let's go do that. No, 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 no. We're not going to take our eyes off Jesus and the mission that our pastor has so clearly laid before us as a church family. No comparison. Now, now, praise God. Listen, there are hundreds of churches around Raleigh that are meeting right now, pointing people to Christ. That's awesome. And we need them. We need to lift them up. We need to pray for them because there's a lot of lost people in our world. Have you noticed that? And those lost people need to encounter Jesus. And how are they going to encounter Jesus? They're going to encounter us. When they encounter us, they should encounter Jesus. So let's not take our eyes off Jesus and begin to compare ourselves as individuals to other people or as a church to other churches. There's no health in that. We're not going to compromise our value. We're not going to compromise our mission. We're not going to compromise um, the integrity to which God has called us to compare ourselves with anybody else. But how easy is that to happen? Peter's all of a sudden worried about what will happen to John. And, and, and I'm sure in that moment, he's thinking about others too. Well, well what about Thomas? You know, what about Andrew? What, what, you know, God, what about them? I love this quote from Andrew Murray. You can see it on the screen. He says, there is nothing the Christian life suffer, suffers from more than the subtle and indescribable worldliness that comes from the possessions of this life. Somebody say, ouch. Now, you know what makes this even worse? Andrew Murray died in 1917. Over 100 years ago, as a pastor, as a proclaimer of the gospel, who was passionate about prayer and an intimate relationship with Jesus, he saw the worldliness of the possessions of life over 100 years ago before your cell phone, before the computers, before 387,000 different possible TV show combinations that you could watch in a week, all the other things, all the cars, all the things. Let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Let's, let's get away from the worldliness of all the things that come from the possessions of life and be willing to say, God, if I need to abandon all else, I will follow you and I will stay on mission. I will follow you. I do not want my eyes to turn from you to compare myself to anyone else. Guys, God, let me just keep my eyes on you. Peter was distracted by others and by comparison, but he was also um, 
kind of took his eyes off Jesus because of himself. And, and sometimes we take our eyes off Christ because we're more consumed with ourself. There's a great story in Luke chapter 5, the story of the great catch of fish. And in that moment, Peter, after this incredible haul of fish comes in, Peter took his eyes off the Lord, and for that moment, it was all about Peter. Anybody else do that? Uh, listen, I'm being honest enough this morning that I've taken my eyes off Christ because I've been more consumed with myself. And in that moment, in Luke chapter 5, verse 8, Peter looks at Jesus and he says, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with identifying. We have to, we must always acknowledge the holiness and righteousness of God. And the more I understand and the more I identify his holiness and righteousness, the more I realize what a sinful person I am. But if I get so consumed with myself that I take my eyes off Jesus and say, God, you, you can't possibly love me, just go away from me. Peter at that moment was rejecting Jesus. He was rejecting his love because he was consumed with himself. Now, some of us, in all honesty, we don't get so much consumed with our sin because we go, hey, I'm not so bad. It's okay that God loves me, but that guy, mm-mm. See, I don't want to encounter him because I don't want Jesus to encounter him and somehow save him by grace like he saved me. Shame on us. God, don't ever let me be so consumed with myself and my sin that I miss the holiness and righteousness of who you are, that you are redeeming other people through your grace and your forgiveness through my encounter to point them to Jesus Christ. Simon, when he saw it, and get this, I want to read from the message. Great little paraphrase, this same thing, right? He said, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. The message puts it this way. Simon Peter, when he saw it, he fell to his knees before Jesus. Master, leave me. I'm a sinner, and I can't handle this holiness. Leave me to myself. See, sometimes we just want to withdraw because it's all about us. It's not about Jesus. The Living Bible puts it this way. I'm too much of a sinner for you to have around. Listen, when we acknowledge our sin and we, we come to realize our sin in the holiness of God, it should draw us closer to him, more encounters with Jesus, not to push ourselves away from him, not to tell him to leave our presence, but to be drawn to him. But through the years of ministry, I've always discovered that sin separates. And when people begin to fall away from the body of Christ because there's hidden sin, listen, when there's sin in our life, the last place we want to be is in the presence of God and God's people. But where do we need to be? In the presence of God and God's people. That's why we're committed to small groups. That's why we're committed to you connecting with other people so that you can be connected to Jesus for life change, right? Because we're not in this alone. We're not in this alone. So it's not just about you. It's about God. It's about others. We're growing in relationship. I love the Cotton Patch Gospel version. I don't know if you've ever heard this or seen it, but I love the way they paraphrase this. They simply say, don't waste your time on a bum like me, sir. Anybody know people like this? God could never love me because, man, you don't, you don't know what I've done. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to and had encounters, and I would simply say this. You know what? We all have a past. Some of us have a present. And in the future, we're also going to have a past. Right? Because today, as good as I think I am, today's going to be my past next week. And I'm going to go, man, I blew it, even though I thought I was good. 
So let's keep our eyes on Jesus and not make it about us. Yes, we acknowledge our own sin. We acknowledge the holiness of Christ, but I can't make it about me. My identity is not found in my sin. My identity is found in my Savior. My identity as an individual is all about Jesus. So as I encounter other people who are sinners just like me, maybe not as good a sinner as me, but they're still sinners just like me, I want them to encounter Jesus because they've encountered me. There's one other instance in Scripture that tells us that Paul took his eyes off Jesus because of circumstances or difficulties. Anybody else? Anybody else had some little difficulty or circumstance in your life that at least for a split moment it caused you to take your eyes off Christ? Anybody? Uh, a third of the room, a third, as Pastor Scott would say, you're the ones who will never raise your hand in church no matter what. The other third, you're just liars, okay? So go ahead and confess that sin to Christ now and realize, yeah, I'm a sinner before God. We all encounter difficulties. We all encounter circumstances. And when we begin to look at the circumstances instead of the Savior, the Redeemer of that circumstance, the Redeemer of that difficulty, we take our eyes off Christ. We see it in Matthew chapter 14. Jesus comes during the midst of a storm walking on the water. How cool is that? Say that's pretty cool. Come on, how cool is that? That's pretty cool. So here's Jesus walking on the water. Peter, get this, the only one with the courage to step out of the boat, begins to walk on the water. How cool is that? That's very cool. How many of you would love to do that someday and say, Jesus, can I just sort of do that walk on the water thing? So he's walking on the water. He's having this great moment with Jesus. How many have just walked a few steps in, in life and you're going, man, I'm walking with Jesus and this is good, right? And then a, some, something happens in life because stuff happens in life. And all of a sudden, in that moment, you're walking along and you're going, man, me and Jesus, we're good. And all of a sudden, we're distracted by the circumstances and the difficulties around us because look what it says in verse 30 of Matthew chapter 14. And seeing the storm, hey, did Peter know there was a storm already? Sure he did. He knew there was a storm when he got on a boat. He's in this great moment with Jesus. They locked eyes from across the room, kind of like I can lock eyes with my beautiful bride right there. And just across the room, we're just locking eyes. And I love her and I care for her, even though I blow it. And so as I'm walking with her and I'm walking with Jesus, something happens and all of a sudden my eyes are off her or they're off Jesus because I'm looking at other stuff. And in that moment, it says Peter and seeing the storm. In other words, he took his eyes off Jesus and, and he began to look around him and goes, hey, wait, there's a storm going on. That water crested my ankle, you know? And so he took his eyes off of Jesus because of the circumstances, the difficulties, the hardships in life. Have you been there? I've been there. Oh, you betcha. I've been there. Life, life is hard. Life is full of hardships. Life is difficult. Don't let anybody kid you and think that walking with Jesus is a piece of cake. It's not. Walking with Jesus is hard. It's difficult. But when we keep our eyes on Jesus instead of looking at the storm, guess what? We're just walking smooth. God, let me keep my eyes on you. When he was walking on the stormy sea with Jesus, Peter began to just look away from the Lord. He began to look at the wind and the waves God, bad medical diagnosis. That's a wind. That's a wave. 
God, hardship, man, I have issues with my children, having issues with my spouse. God, you know, having difficulties at the job, right? We begin to look at the wind. We begin to look at the waves. And when that begins to happen, we be immediately, just like Peter, we begin to sink in the circumstances of life. But just like Peter in that moment, he just reaches out and it says immediately he, Peter took his hand. See, that's us. We're distracted. We take our eyes off Jesus because of other people. We take our eyes off Jesus because of circumstances and difficulties. Sometimes we take our, our eyes off Jesus just because of who we are, our own lack of identity, our own lack of worth, because we don't see ourselves the way Christ sees us. I love Erwin Lutzer, pastored Moody Church for a number of years. He said this. He said, the water that threatens to be over your head is the water that's under Jesus' feet. See, nothing's going to be over Jesus' head. I don't care what diagnosis, I don't care what prognosis, I don't care what difficulty comes in your life, nothing is over Jesus' head. Amen. And sometimes we pray and we go, oh, I, yeah, I can't pray that because, you know, that's just, that's nothing big to Jesus. I'm not going to pray about that. That's nothing big. You know what I came to realize? What could I possibly take to God that's big to him? Everything I take to God is little stuff. The biggest thing in my life is a little thing to God. Why? Because he's the God of the universe. He's the God of the storm. And sometimes he brings those storms simply to let us walk with him and go, God, I know you got this. I got a history with Jesus because we've walked through the storms together. And, and when a new storm comes, guess what? I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12, the author and finisher of my faith. But in that moment, not, not only was Peter reminded of his past, but Peter was reassured of his present position. Some of you this morning, maybe, maybe you just kind of need to be reminded of your sin. Maybe your eyes are off Jesus. Maybe you've never come to know Christ, and you can come to know him this morning. He loves you. He cares for you. Some of you this morning, you know Christ, but you just need to be reassured, just like Peter in this moment, of his current position. Look in verse 22. It says, Jesus said to him, if it's my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? And then he gets very personal. He didn't just say, follow me or continue following me. He literally says, you follow me. This was not a general call. See, there's a general call for us to follow Jesus, but this is also a very specific call because just as a church, we have a general call to stay on mission, which is what? To connect people to Jesus for life change. We have a general call. That's our mission. That's what we're going to do. In that context, you and I also have a very specific call. You follow me. You see, we can't follow Christ as a church if we're not following Christ individually. We don't follow Christ as a church unless we're doing it collectively, unless we're doing it individually. I love our pastor. I'm thankful for his heart. I'm thankful for his passion. And I know this is an exciting season in his life because the things that he prayed about for years, he, he's seen come to fruition. Our elders, our leadership, it's an exciting time. But listen, it's also a time where we can be distracted. We can begin to take our eyes off the mission, off Jesus, and, and begin to look at other things. And we can't, we can't do that. So we need to be reminded, listen, you follow me. You, Peter, follow me. I can almost see it like in a tender moment, because I, I don't believe this was a harsh moment with Jesus and Peter. I think this was a very tender moment. And as a father, I remember those moments with my children just very tenderly, stay with me. 
I know this is tough, but stay with me, right? I remember the first time that we ran Amanda to the, to the emergency room, right? She fell. As we're videotaping, it's such a great moment. Oh, she's going to fall and hit her head. Boom, you know? Well, cuts her eye right on the edge of a, of a table. But praise God, we captured it on video, right? That's awesome. So, <clears throat> but, you know, in that moment, right, in the harshness of that moment, right, my little baby girl, it's like, just, just stay with me. You focus on me, right? Because everything's going to be okay. And, and I look at this moment with Jesus and Peter, not as a harsh criticism, not as a hard correction, but as a very loving, tender, Peter, stay with me. Peter, Peter, stay with me. Parents, you ever do that? You're getting your kids, and you sort of throw out this general, kids, we got to go. Kids, we got to go. Matthew, Amanda, Christopher, we got to go, right? There's a point at which it gets a little bit specific. But I see this as a very tender time where, where Jesus, I could almost see him taking his hands and putting them on Peter's cheeks and go, Peter, Peter, you follow me. Don't worry about anybody else. Dave, don't worry about anybody else. Don't compare yourself to anybody else. Find your identity in me. Don't be distracted by the storms. Dave, you follow me. Dave, Dave, stay with me. You follow me. Sometimes we're distracted even by great things, great people that are following Jesus, and it's so easy to just be distracted. But in this moment, he's reassured, Peter, I love you. I've restored you. I've forgiven you. I've given you hope. I've given you purpose. Peter, stay with me. Peter, you, you, look at, look at the pronoun that he throws in there. You follow me. Don't worry about John. Don't worry about Andrew. Don't worry about Thomas. Don't worry about it. You follow me. Last week, Pastor Scott was talking about how Jesus sort of destroyed the pride of Peter so that he could work through Peter. That's where he takes us. Right? He takes us through all these things so that he can bring us to that point and say, okay, Dave, I've destroyed you. Right? You've died to yourself so that you can find purpose in me. You follow me. Maybe that's your moment this morning. You've known about Jesus. You've come to know Jesus. Maybe God's taken you to a place where he's just sort of taken it all away and said, look, you follow me. There's a great little book called Life on Mission by Dustin Willis and Aaron Cole. Look at this quote. <clears throat> he said, one of the marks of a person who is spiritually maturing is that they have a big view of God. They've come to trust that he is king and he is able to do what he says he will do. It's important to understand that God is at the center of his mission and that by default, we are not, Right? If we believe that God is supreme, then we are in a good position to mature spiritually. Our desires and decisions will be in submission to him, fostering a lifetime, get this, of repentance and realigning our hearts toward his heart and kingdom. A big view of God is the starting point for mission. This was the defining moment for Peter, I believe. He'd blown it before. He'd been restored. He'd blown it. He'd been restored. He'd been forgiven. Been all of his pride stripped away. He denied Jesus. He was restored. 
And here he is one more time taking his eyes off Jesus. And, and Jesus just goes, Peter, follow me. Follow me. I think, I think Peter got it. I think in this moment he got it. He was reminded of his past. He was reassured of his present. And because I believe he got it right here, he was resolved to God's future plan for his life. Let me ask you, are you resolved to God's plan for your life? You know what God's plan is for your life? To encounter people and let them see Jesus in you. Pastor Scott's reminded of, uh, he's reminded us of this process, right? If you're saved, you're sent. If, if God has called you to be his child, he's sending you. It's not just our, our missionaries in Madagascar or around the world. If he's called you to be his child, a follower, then he's sending you to a lost and dying world. In every encounter that you and I have, people should see Jesus in us. Why? Because what Jesus modeled for us, he meant for us. His desire is that you and I leave this place, canvas throughout the area, and let them encounter Jesus every place we go. Are you resolved to do that? In this moment, I think Peter's hesitancy gave way to God's agenda. There was, there was a swap. There was an exchange because Peter was called to be a disciple after the crucifixion and everything else. Where did Peter go? He went back to what was comfortable, right? We saw it last week. He, he went back to what was comfortable. He went back to fishing. Some of us, as followers of Jesus Christ, we've gone back to our old way of life. And Jesus goes, I called you away from that. Don't ever go back there again. You know what? We never see Peter go back there again. Why? Because there was a swap. He swapped his plan. He swapped his agenda for God's agenda. Have you made that exchange? As a child of God, you, you, you and I still have the opportunity to hold on to the things that we love so much. But this morning, maybe God's calling you to swap that agenda and say, God, I'm tired of trying to do life my way. And I know you've called me to something that's greater and better and bigger. To live a life of purpose for you, to live a life that's on mission, to help people encounter Jesus, connect with Jesus, and lead them to life change. God, I am your child, but I'm not resolved to the mission to which you've called me. Maybe this morning it's time to mature and grow and get on board with God's mission and realize because he's in charge, you're not. So here's where he goes, right? It became incredibly evident as Peter began to move forward from this point on. Because the very next chapter in your Bible, if you finish John 21, takes us right into the book of what? Acts. Acts chapter 1, the birth of the church. Acts chapter 1. Let me just run some verses with you, can I? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus comes back to his disciples. Here it is. But you, speaking to his disciples, will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. He didn't say you might. He didn't say, well, you know, if you, if you want to buy in, cool. No, 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 no. If you're saved, you're sent. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses. You will be the one that goes and has encounters with lost people and you're to point them to me. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to Walmart, to Lowe's, to every place that you go, to your work, to every donut shop that you go to, to every Starbucks you go to, every place you go, you are to encounter people and they should see Jesus in you and Jesus in me. That's the mission to which he's called us. 
So all of a sudden, this boldness, look at Peter. You know, we see him beginning to step up, no longer turning his back on Jesus, no longer taking his eyes off Christ because of stuff or storms or himself, because he becomes this bold proclaimer of the person of Jesus Christ. And because Peter doesn't want to confuse anybody that he's speaking to about who he's really talking about, right? I know at least two Scots in my life. I know Pastor Scott, and I know the real Pastor Scott. And so if I'm speaking of one, I want to clearly define which Scott am I talking about. Which, the real Pastor Scott is the real Pastor Scott. See, but if I want to speak and if I want to say, gosh, the youngest Scott is the real Pastor Scott. I would say the real Pastor Scott. Now, if I were to say which one is better looking, I would say, I'm not going there. That's what I would say. I would say we pull their wives and we come out with a tie and we'll consider it Florida voting all over again. So Peter making this incredibly clear declaration because of his encounter with Jesus. Now, there was more than one Jesus that lived during that time, just like there's more than one Scott. So Peter wanted to be extremely clear because the encounter that Peter had was with this Jesus, this Jesus that I encountered, this Jesus that saved me, this Jesus that called me, this Jesus that restored me, that commissioned me, that empowers me, the one that you rejected, the one that you mocked, the one that you killed, the one that I denied, the one that was buried and is now risen. Therefore, he's given me hope and true purpose. This Jesus who died for me and gave me a purpose to um, proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, the one who I am willing to lay down my life for, this Jesus is the one that I proclaim. And I don't want to confuse this Jesus with any Jesus that you've made up. There's a lot of religions going on in our culture. I don't know if you've noticed that. And there's a lot of ways that people say you can have a relationship with God. And there's a lot of people who just believe that all dogs go to heaven. And listen, none of those things are true, Amen. right? There is one God, there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ, this Jesus that I proclaim, this Jesus that I have encountered who has taken up residence in me and given me hope and a future and a purpose and a mission to connect people to Jesus for what? For life change. And because he saved me, he sent me. Because he has saved you, he is sent and Peter no longer goes back. He is resolved to the mission to which God has called him. So look at Acts chapter 2, verse 32. This Jesus God raised up. And of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. Peter became the bold proclaimer. He was not going back to fishing. He was not going back to the old ways of life. He was resolved to the mission to which God called him. Jump forward a few verses, Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Peter, standing before the crowd, he said, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. I don't want to confuse him with any other Jesus. It is this Jesus, the one you crucified, the one that I denied. 
This Jesus, God has made him both Lord and Christ. Jumping forward into Acts chapter 4, verse 19. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. We can have a lot of encounters out in our world. And we can talk about a lot of things, and we will. Because there's a lot of gods out there. The God of college football and the God of hockey and the God of you know, all the things that we want to possess and everything else. We, we've made a lot of things gods. I don't want to talk about those gods. I want to talk about this Jesus. Because this Jesus is the only one that can save someone. This Jesus is the only one that can give hope. This Jesus is the only mission to which we've been called. Acts chapter 5, verse 29, but Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. Did you hear the resolve in Peter's life? I'm not turning back. Uh, I don't care what you say. I'm not turning back from this Jesus. This Jesus saved me. This Jesus redeemed me. I am realigning. I'm repenting and realigning. Because I want to live on mission for Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question this morning. As we think about this text... My simple question is, have you encountered this Jesus? This Jesus. The one that we've been studying. This Jesus. The one who is God, who took on human form. Get this, God chose, that's the first most incredible thing, he chose to step out of the glory and splendor of heaven and take on human form. Are you kidding me? I don't want to leave the comfort of my home sometimes, right? Especially on those rainy days like we had this week. I'm good here. I love, I love it here. Why would I want to leave? And yet God chose to step out of heaven and take on the person of Jesus Christ. God became man. God incarnate. God with us who we're getting ready to celebrate this Christmas. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He chose to live a sinless life. He died, as we studied a couple weeks ago, and Pastor Scott such beautifully just laid out the, the torment, the crucifixion, the brutal beating that he took. Why? Because he loved me. He wants to forgive me. He wants me to have hope. He wants a personal relationship with me. Have you encountered this Jesus to experience life change and transformation? See, some of us here, if we're really honest, we're here because of religion. It's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, we go to church. It's, it's neat. It's a good atmosphere. I get a donut, which is not bad. That's a great thing. But if we're not encountering this Jesus, then why are we here? And I want you to know, I'm glad you're here. We, as a church family, are glad you're here, and we want you to feel loved. We want to love you. We want to care for you, but we want you to encounter this Jesus. We're not going to force that. No, we can't do that. We can't force it on anyone, but we, we want you to know how much God loves you and cares for you. He loves you because of your past and in spite of your past. That's why he died. If, if we didn't need him, he wouldn't have had to die. We all need him. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God loves you. Have you encountered this Jesus? And if you have, can I just ask you, is it time Maybe you just need to repent and realign. Maybe you're just kind of living a life in rebellion with God. 
I know because I, I know the process. Sometimes I'm good, sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I feel like God and I are really tight, sometimes I'm not. And I have to repent and realign. And are you resolved? Are you resolved to live the life that God has called you to live, to live on mission, right? To connect people to Jesus for what? For life change. That's our mission. That's what we do. All through the room, would you bow your heads in an attitude of prayer? Let me just close our time together. As John finishes out his letter in verse 25, he simply says, now there are also so many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that were written. Listen, I believe that Jesus is writing a story of redemption in your life. And that story of redemption, that repentance, that's realigning, I believe that he is calling you to encounter others, to lead them to Jesus Christ. Let's resolve to be on mission. No turning back. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Father God, we want to resolve to be on mission. And Lord, I confess it is so easy to be distracted, to take my eyes off of you because of other things, other people, other circumstances. Lord, sometimes just myself being more consumed with me than you. Father, this morning I repent of that and I want to realign my purpose with your mission. Lord, this morning I want to resolve to be the man that you've called me to be. Father, to encounter people and let them see Jesus in me. Would you make that your prayer this morning? Just in this time of reflection. Father, is there something that I need to repent? Something I need to get right and realign? Father, speak to our hearts in this time. In Jesus' name.